Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Pay for it so you don't have to if it makes for a successful show. (laughs) Did you hear that pep talk before we get started? This is Take Two Friday. August 18th. Um, it's a beautiful day. It is a beautiful day. Don't let day Heidi tell you day. otherwise. I know. I'm a little ornery right now, but I'll get over it. Uh, it's in your eyes. I didn't know that your eyes just my completely eyes are betray your brain. Shoot. I didn't know it. Wow. Which I hate means, honest eyes because yeah. I'm not a very good liar, and that's why, <laughs> that I guess. Is, you which means you're generally eyes. happy that all the time why. because I don't see this You look don't see very this often. in my eyes. Dang yeah. it. Well, um... <laughs> Big things are happening at everyone's houses. You've got um, a son starting a mission. Mara has... Service mission, yeah. uh, A college student leaving in a couple days. Yeah. So, and I was just packing my daughter up to leave for her first um, real grown-up job job in California, which is weird because when they come home, they still have a bedroom and all their stuff there, but we're packing up everything. It's naked in there. And I'm like, wait, this is for real. This is like for real. She'll have a life. For real is for real. So I know. It's weird growing up and turning into adults. I, my oldest has a job. She's she moved away from home, but she would, she still has her room, just like your daughter. But um, but it, it's not out of state, so it's nice to yeah. have her still here. It is actually nice. in this building. That mm. is awesome. But not today. In the Wales Fargo Tower. I know doesn't she doesn't work, work Fridays. Fridays. This kids is a new days. thing. It's just new, it's, I don't understand what the kids are doing nowadays. These Fridays know. are weird. Sign me up new for workforce. that. So she works four days a week. Do they work longer hours? Do they just now, work yeah, an eight look, hour? This, she says, Dad, I work. I just work from home. And I, I just think it's a scam. I just think it. But whatever. I don't want to get my kid fired, so I'm not going to complain about it's it. Probably it's probably in your best It's just interest, what they're doing. You, know, you really want they, your they kids do this to bring nowadays. home the paycheck, bring home the bacon. Yeah, that's a good job. Well, we have a lot to talk about uh, this week. We yeah. keep waiting for a quiet week where there's nothing to talk about, and yet it just <laughs> never happens. So I want to start with the Utah GOP. Uh, they have decided to hold a caucus, not a primary, for the presidential election. We take non-scientific polls on KUTV2 News because we like our viewers to weigh in. Uh, last time I looked at the numbers, 85% said thumbs down, hate it, I would like to have a choice. Uh, Greg, your party would like to make sure that only the party insiders get to decide, or is that the wrong way to look about it, and we all just need to take time out of our Tuesday night and caucus with our neighbors yeah. and talk to them about our feelings? So in 2016, I liked uh, that the, the, there was a presidential year. The caucuses were as crowded as we'd ever seen in terms of as many people from there the were neighborhoods a lot. coming out. And I think that makes a... I, I, I love caucuses. And I love that process. I think that neighborhoods getting together and and voting for other neighbors to put their best eye and have maybe a deeper discussion with candidates. I think that's a a more substantive process. So I I love that. But Um, we don't talk to candidates. Like when you think about Iowa, they have the caucus going on because candidates come and the Utah GOP says, well, the candidates will come to us. I don't think the candidates are going to come to us, are they? They actually, well, not presidential, but but, but down the ticket they do. So my point is that I really liked, I like, I will always defend and I like the caucus, uh, the, the caucus convention cycle. Um, and I thought that that presidential year drove more people in attendance, which again, makes that a better process. Mm-hmm. But I'm hearing the criticism that you're hearing that a lot of people want to be able to vote in a primary setting for president of the United States. And so there's a lot of, even within the Republican party, there has been some, and some people that are 
you would describe as grassroots uh, that are mad that it's not going to be a primary, a, a Republican primary, presidential primary. So anyway, I, uh, it's, it's, it's a mixed bag. I don't, I don't know. I, I've seen it work both ways, but. Interesting. I've never had an opportunity to go to a caucus as just a voter because I have worked in news mm-hmm. since I was a legal voting adult. And so as someone who works in news, it's not something you go do and talk to your neighbors about how you vote because you just can't do that. And I'm usually covering it. So I don't know if I would be one of those people that show up, but I have a feeling inside of me that I don't think I would want to talk to my neighbors about how I'm voting, but maybe I'm, you maybe wouldn't. I'm crazy. I mean, the caucus system is in decline because it's not how we gather anymore. So, I mean, there's this idyllic old fashioned version of how we gather, but the reality is particularly when it relates to the presidential campaign, not for party organizing actually, but for presidential campaigning, what the Republicans are ensuring is that fewer Republicans will participate than could because most people have too much going on to go find a place and spend two to three hours. A lot of people don't like the environment of caucuses. Uh, I probably, along with Greg, have been to hundreds of caucuses. I've been to both Democratic and Republican caucuses. And they can be rowdy, rambunctious, and full sport, but it doesn't mean everyone likes that environment. And when it relates to the presidential campaign, and particularly with the additional scrutiny on how we're placing Um, national delegates to indicate where states are going to go for which party. So it matters. It matters what those counts are. And this just limits Republicans' ability to um, vote for president. It's it's really backwards looking, not forward looking. I I think that, so uh, when when Bob Bennett lost as an incumbent in 2012. Which was one of the most rowdy caucus cycles we've seen. And and that was Obamacare expansion had just passed. And like the day before the caucuses, it passed the Senate. So everybody, it was, it was just, yeah, it was crazy. So 2014 rolls around and Orrin Hatch uh, does a phenomenal job of driving people to caucuses. There were more caucus attendees in that given year, 2014, than there had been primary voters in cycles in the past. So they had, he had been very successful. I think he spent like 6 million bucks too, to drive high, high attendance to the caucuses. Mm. I have no problem with that. I love it. I love more and more people getting together. Unless looking, your kids have a soccer game or a dance performance, uh, yeah, but, then you but can't Maybe be you can there. do an absentee ballot for that if you need to. But let me ask you this. Is there anyone in your neighborhood that you you, you would identify as a, a thought leader, opinion leader? And in the races down ballot, you're not really sure. And so you look in a yard. If you see a yard sign in someone's yard, you're like, well, I trust them. I trust their eye. Do you have that? I do. I mean, I think every neighborhood tends to have some opinion leaders in it. And so... People look to that, and I think the caucus can kind of uh, coalesce around that process, and I love it. I, I judge my neighbors it's good. by the It's high Someone information. Someone who has been to so many caucuses, I'll even own up to the fact that we worked for Orrin Hatch that cycle. And well, so, then you're part of the success, so just take a victory so lap here and agree with me. as part of the success, I will tell you it's antiquated and backwards looking no. to continue to have it's higher information. particular... No, it's less information, And that's a guy that was like victimized from the last convention I mean, he participated is, in, it, and it, I'm still saying it's a higher Particularly for cycle. the presidential, and all the malarkey about it saving us money, it's smoke and mirrors, it's an insecure party, and I don't know why, you've got a supermajority, but if you believe you're... Your ideas are the best. You don't need to force normal people. What happens is <laughs> I have overactive people, really like people for whom politics is their number one priority, make it. But for people who are civically minded, but politics isn't their number one priority, it's not their. Would it surprise it. you that people that like Trump are mad? They would rather have the primary than the caucus. 
I believe anyone who wants and Trump, participation. So Trump supporters want the primary. Do you still want a primary? Yeah, because I don't. Because you want to vote Trump. in private. Because you love Trump. That is okay. exactly that's what, that's, how I just that need works. To, I just need to get there. Yeah, okay. your logic is just it's <laughs> impeccable, Greg. That's Which what is I was interesting because it kind of throws back to when he was originally running. When, when we go ask people questions, people were willing to say they were voting for Hillary. But when you ask people, I think polling sometimes was skewed because people weren't willing to say out loud the that's who they wanted to Trump vote for. Vote. Also, remember yeah. the more people at caucus, it's not like this gentle affair. <laughs> it becomes very bare knuckle. Okay, sorry, we got a lot of topics. Yeah, we do. Um, so, on the flip side, we do have a Utah primary um, for our congressional seat that is open. And KSL did a debate this week. Becky Edwards was a no show for that. We talked about the fact that uh, Celeste Malloy tried to make a debate schedule of their own, which uh, Becky Edwards didn't sign on to. I haven't even tracked that enough to see if. Anyone other than Celeste showed up for her debates. Any they word did. Of the I'm here to report. So last week, I it was my prediction that these would be campaign events for Celeste Malloy, but mm-hmm. not really true debates. I believe that Bruce Huff attended every single one of them. So the two of them debated in crowds of twenty up to two hundred. Interesting. Uh, and, okay. And there were ten of them, I think, since we were last on the air. Uh, and so they did. There were two of the three that that participated in these debates, and. Um, and so there, that, yeah, so it, I've, I've heard mixed reactions on those debates, but that, but I was, I was predicting it would not be actually a real debate. It was kind of a campaign. But uh, they stunt. both had conversations. So from, they my, did. from my seat, uh, nine of them, of nine of the 10 were more like gatherings. I don't think I would call any of those debates. They, yeah, they talked maybe. about things. Um, and I do think that they were campaign stumps. And so I am actually not faulting Becky's logic for not coming. What I about do for think the KSL, the KSL one? one was a miss on her part. It was hosted by Boyd Matheson. It was called by the media. If I just look at sort of things I look for, it was called by the media. They were giving everybody a fair shake. Yeah. It was televised, which means it might have been a good way for people to jump on board. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it lives now online. And the fact that she took a pass on that, I do know that they were trying to flex around her schedule. I know it wasn't yeah. like you have to, they were trying to work with everyone's schedules. Um, and, and the fact that she took a pass on it, I'm back to a conversation we had last week about strategy versus facing your voter. So if I have on my candidate hat and I'm working for a campaign, I'll own that the strategy may be to avoid it. If you're a voter, the right thing to do is to always her her greatest vulnerability is that she has she let it be known that she voted for pre- for president biden or yeah. joe biden and i think that's the that is the the one question that would certainly come up and that would be the the most difficult to explain to republican primary voters and i think that would have the chilling effect for uh Former state House member Becky Debates debate you can't control the yeah. agenda, and yeah. paid you can. And so she's being smart and going with but the But my, my worry about that strategy is I'm just, maybe I'm not seeing it, but I just don't I like see a lot of high awareness about this. people are probably like that, though. It seems to me the people who are backing her like that in her. Well, I, does any, are you, I've seen some uh, commercials on Fox News from all three candidates, um, but... Is any, is this on radar? Is, is this on the radar screen? Can you tell? I can't tell. I, the district isn't along the Wasatch Front. It's a portion of Salt Lake County and Davis County, and the rest is off the Wasatch Front. Eleven counties in that district, but I'm just not feeling the buzz. I'm not seeing the buzz. I'm not hearing it. It's so I just don't know if it's a time and a pretty it is. tough like right after yeah. back to school. This is a tough time to get people's attention. Yeah, so it's really going to come down to who can get people to turn out and vote, yeah. which yeah, I like guess a week makes a, a difference when you've got it sitting on your kitchen away. counter with the mail-in ballots. I think it right. helps yeah. in that regard. But yeah, there's not a lot of buzz and usually you feel like this kind of excitement and some energy knowing that it's coming, yep. but I don't feel it. I don't live in a neighborhood though that's um 
part of this race. And so, yeah, it feels kind of quiet and weird. And yeah, I don't know. I'll be interested as everyone else to see how this turns out. Speaking of ballots on people's countertops, Robert Axon, um, the new Republican chair here in Utah, when he goes to the RNC summer meetings, is going to vote in favor of ID-protected election day voting, um, no mail-in ballots. Uh, I don't know what this does other than the fact that you put your name down for the fact that you would like people to do this. You know, I think there's good and bad that we can discuss about this, Mara. Uh, here in Utah, we've really accepted and adopted the idea of voting with that ballot that comes in the mail, having extra time. We've raised how many people are voting in that regard. Is it a bad idea to move away from this, or are there merits to that where maybe we should be checking to see who's voting or there's no ballot harvesting? There's no evidence to show that mail-in ballots in Utah are anything but safe and secure. And so this is tapping into some conspiracy politics that isn't really fact-checked against clerks and Mm -hmm. systems. And, you know, one of the saddest things in the last few years is um, people's general consideration of how safe their vote is. Yeah, The vote in America is really safe, and the goal of any elections office should be to get as many people voting as possible. The more people who participate in elections, the stronger our democracy is. Mm-hmm. And any attempt to um, decrease the amount of votes is something that I don't think is good public policy. I'm surprised. I didn't know that Dropbox uh, vote, votes had declined uh, because I, I was seeing this as a mail-to-the-voter uh, process, but not mail back in, that most yeah. people were returning it to a voting location, even if it was a box. So yeah. my thought, my hope was, I like chain of custody from ID and ballot to being counted and having eyes, transparency, all parties, all candidates, everyone being able to see it um, and watch that from the, the voter to the, the count and the result. So I was hoping that it, we would see drop boxes be very popular, but you could put an election person there to, to kind of scan a, a driver's license as they give you your ballot, and you could you could actually incorporate a, a, an ID with the ballot, but not lose the convenience of mailing them out and being able to return them to the drop box. And I thought it was an elegant solution. So I'm surprised or disappointed that if drop boxes aren't being used. The if great, that means that people are voting in person, my great. My understanding but, is it has come from, this is my understanding, yeah. and I don't remember the name of the show, but there was a show. Oh, the 2000 me, Mules? Yeah. 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 And that, that, I'm not, that that turned into something else that well, turned to something else that turned into social media, and people really well, felt like I, it was I share insecure. the concern from that movie about ballot harvesting. I, 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 what I don't want to see, what I would regret, um, and some states are more strict about this than others, and, t- and I don't think we, I think we, right. Utah doesn't allow ballot, ballot harvesting, but others right. do. Um, going out and collecting all those ballots from other people and bringing them in bulk to a voting place, that, the, the chain of custody from the voter to the place that you vote, to the count, to the result, as much as that can be transparent, I see that that shouldn't even be a partisan issue. I think everybody should want that to be as 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 transparent as possible. We we expect ID for so many different things in our lives. Um, voting should be right up so there in terms back of importance. In his vote oh, absolutely, yes. And I we would. have been mentioning, but I, but I, but I want to incorporate it with ways to not quiet or or uh, chill voter participation. I want there to be voter participation, but I want chain of custody. Okay, so let's I want push, both. push pause and I want figure out how to do that. Because you were mentioning, um, KSL did an article um, this week, and it was from Lindsay Ertz. And she looked at the numbers from people who were dropping in drop boxes. And in 2019 and 2020, in the general elections, 86% of people voted with their ballots were returned via drop boxes. 
And by November of 2022, so we're looking at last year, midterms, two years later, only 58% of ballots statewide were returned via a drop box, which is a fairly significant drop. And people are thinking it is because of the 2,000 mules. The thing is, is why people wouldn't be okay with that. Because if you um, watch 2,000 mules, the concept was is that people were dropping off ballots that possibly weren't theirs or had Mm -hmm. been like harvested and so they're dropping off multiples why that would stop someone from dropping off their ballot because no one was saying they were getting stolen out of the box does the article say what they did instead do do they go and vote in person or they mail it because i would think mailing it would be worse than dropping it at a drop box see i would be the same too and i'm not sure that there's clarity on that because i'm weird because i've had enough things lost in the mail just from random personal experience that i like Maybe part of the pomp and circumstance, too, because when you go to a ballot box, there's a flag on it, and you can feel sort I, of... I want my sticker. I drop it I in my box. I want my sticker. I voted. I like going to the... Ba- I, it's There's a pageantry to exercising yeah. your right to vote that I would never give up. I so will I go and vote So I can see people maybe skipping the post office, but why they're skipping the box, I'm not sure, yeah. because no one ever said so that So I they can were answer stolen. the question. Okay. I, I'm really critical of those who have spent so much energy despairing the... United States voting process. And people didn't watch the full movie. That's not what happened. What happened is we have spent an undue amount, and I'm going to argue that it comes mostly from the right of politic, disparaging and and rumor-mongering and looking at things that well, say our voting system it should be questioned. Well, yeah. Now, Greg, I don't disagree. You know I don't agree, disagree with oversight. You know I don't disagree. I know, disagree but, but with, I want to point but out. I think this is much ado. And so now you see it resulting in fewer people trusting the process, a process that has been proven over and over to be efficient and safe. So what you're for, well, I don't know if you're forgetting it or, or if you're just ignoring it. But, yes, in this last cycle, you've heard it a lot from Republicans in terms of vote, voter integrity. But that's and voter the world irregularities. I'm in. So don't. But do I live in the world. I'm not saying 72. Stuff. I'm saying in 2016, Putin had fake Facebook bots that completely colluded with the Trump campaign to uh, to create an illegitimate president, and this was repeated every day during that man's uh, uh, his presidency to the point where they had a special uh, investigator looking into. Wait, remind me the who collusion. was elected in 2016. It was Trump. I'm saying oh, that oh, wait. So, the Democrats so were complaining. Who was armed by this? No, no, Trump got I'm elected. Saying, he got elected. No, I'm saying the Democrats said and it was rigged. the Democrats it was rigged. didn't say yes, that the they voting did. process. Did you want to bet? No, they talked about online they, security, uh, that's but no That's what the no whole investigation with Russia was Greg, about. It was I about just, colluding. I it was corrupting the, the, is, the voting process. I disagree with you. They that, did. They said that it. That the United States doesn't have, and particularly Utah, doesn't have a safe and efficient uh, Voting process. I'm, I'm telling you, we that have a great voting process. No, well, your vote. I think your counted, chain of custody. Your vote is secure. Vote by mail is relatively new. Chain, chain of, custody of custody can get is better. More secure than it, it ever get, has. Not in every I state. I started doing not elections in, in, in the '90s in Utah, and you and I can both. You can tear keep talking stories. about Utah. I'm talking about the United States. I'm, it's not the same in every state. This is about Utah. This is but about a Utah. What I'm saying is, action. Chain of custody so needs you, to be strengthened. Do you think Utah's elections are safe and secure? I, I think they can be better. I think there's improvement. There was an yeah, audit that, that came out and said that. Yeah, that's my question. Do you think they're okay? Everything can I think always be approved. I think they're okay, but I, I think there's things that could be problematic that we're not aware of because I don't so think that the chain of custody. So you would challenge some of the elections that you've been in? I think Utah does a better job I, with the mail-in ballots than some other Mara, states that are just starting because they're working out the kinks. Um, 
But that's what some people say the strength of elections are, is that each state gets to do it differently But I mean, like, to way. say this Let's, utopian, I mean, we're safer than we utopian. ever have been. There were, do you remember when you'd slump those ballot boxes, they would sit in the clerk's office, and some dude would throw them in the back of the Toyota? Because I remember those days. I'm saying that when, when Sherry Swenson was reporting, this was the, this was the Ben McAdams and... Uh, and, and uh, no, Ben McAdams Burgess race, okay. right? And uh, was that is that right? Yeah, it's the second one. Yeah. Anyway, th- there were th- the number of ballots received, number count, how many left. That all of that you can go back and ask uh, Salt Lake Tribune's Robert Kirk. None of these numbers were adding up. There was a, there was a lot of confusion going on. I'm just saying, you can always improve your processes. The more you create a chain of custody and transparency to it, the confidence is going to rise. You get, I mean, you can't put Utah on an island and say if we're good, then we shouldn't even worry about it because sometimes the national sentiment colors the voters and their participation in our state. It's so, irresponsible so to make voters absolutely of their make, process. No, be committed to a transparent process. You shouldn't oppose that. You should agree with me. I, I'm I'm agreeing that we should be accurate about the status of American voting and politics, and we are now and, indicting and did, did a Russia, system. Did Russia that collude in the 16 that. election? That's not the issue we're talking about. You well, can that's keep voter dog integrity. whistling if that's you want. Voter, I mean, that was Great, the Democrats' not the voter integrity issue for four years. This question started with Axum wanting to take away I'm just the ability that, that to do it, mail-in voting. For Stacey Abrams to run against Kemp no, in Georgia even, and, and say the, the no, election gonna, was stolen. If you're moving to no, Georgia, I'm just saying no, if, if a Democrat no, can say the election is I'm, stolen I'm and it's an illegitimate out. election I'm and, and everyone's like this. fine with that. We've reached but the if you say it as a Republican, then you're, then you're, then you're, there's something wrong with you. It's selective outrage. It's selective. All right, let's take it back into Utah and really dive into Utah politics here. Uh, a freshman lawmaker resigned, uh, Representative Quinn Cotter of West Valley City, uh, effective September 9th, so that's coming up very soon in just a couple of weeks. According to a letter that he sent to House Speaker Brad Wilson, he says his life circumstances have affected his ability to devote full attention and energies to the position, and so I'm assuming there will be a special election for this. Uh, surprising at all to see something like this happen, Mara? It's unusual, right? I mean, he just started serving this yeah. year, so it's unusual. Um, he's known for being an intense guy. Um, also, so from a, a Democratic point of view, it's a bummer because this seat switched from a Democratic yeah. seat to a Republican which a surprise, seat, yeah. which was a bit of a surprise. I want to say the gap in that election was 127. So he um, flipped the seat. So he flips the seat. And now, rightly so, Republican delegates will pick a replacement. So it'll be a Republican replacement, which is how the process works. Um, I think it's unusual. I think it. he was known, again, for being an intense fella. And uh, it kind of shows you the intensity. I don't think we often give enough credit to those people who definitionally have day jobs and are doing this on yeah. the side, let's say. And this side job can often take 30, 40, 50 hours a week. It's more than and, a side hustle. And, yeah, and becomes yeah. really intense yeah, the, for people. The part-time legislature is becoming 12 hours out of the 24 hours. That's the part-time. It's it's actually becoming more and more work, which is fine. I, I don't want to see more legislative day, like in-session yeah. days or anything. I think the citizen legislature is a smart way to do it. Um, I, What's I, the compensation? Are you making like half a mil doing it? Yeah, yet? yeah, I wish. You, is it no, like thirty five thousand? No, it's not. It's like fifteen to eighteen thousand. Oh, really? Yeah. Why do I think it's thirty? Yeah, it's fifteen huh. to eighteen thousand. Here, here's the thing. I've and I've I've observed this. But you get paid in power. <laughs> yeah, right. I always right. looked for those large feathers that would be fanning me you get somewhere, those but cool I never got pins. it. You get pins. Yeah, there's there's it's very low on the perks. I know that the perception would be otherwise, but believe me, there's not. Um, Here's what, what is interesting by my by observation. 
it's seats like this that are that are very close in the elections. Mm-hmm. It's a swing seat, okay? Or it's a surprise where it's been a Democrat seat held by a Republican, a Republican seat held by a Democrat. It's West Valley City. The just pressure, yeah. the pressure on that lawmaker because the the margins of those that voted for you and against you are so close. They leave that lawmaker instinctively looking over their shoulder a lot, worried about if that vote is alienating or serving their district. And it's it's additional pressure beyond just the overall pressure of being a state lawmaker and how much the state's growing and how big the budget's growing and all the responsibility you have. You get down to those seats, mm-hmm. and those seats are found mostly in Salt Lake County, West Valley City, things like that. Those are tough seats. I've watched a lot of lawmakers suffer through those sessions because they're trying to strike that right balance. And, and, a lot, and, and that's not the balance that the guys from rural Utah need to hit. I mean, they're not, they're at crosswise with some of their Republican colleagues on a lot of these issues. And so it's, there's a lot, a lot of pressure in those swing districts. Okay, we'll be watching to see what happens there. Uh, Utah Farm Bureau President Ron Gibson resigned from the job this week. Uh, He was um, accused of allegedly backhanding an employee and causing injury. There's also accusations after this investigation began, uh, allegations of fraud and human trafficking, which are all things that when you think of the Utah Farm Bureau, Bureau don't come to mind. Um, very Fairly serious allegations that are coming out. Uh, is this something we've ever dealt with before? Have I been missing out? But So I'll jump in and give yeah. you my understanding of the situation. <laughs> Mars on it. Um, Ron Gibson is a well-known... Gibson, is that how you say no, it? It's, it's Gibson. Gibson. It's Gibson. It's Gibson. Okay, sorry. I didn't Ron mean Gibson to make it from you. issue. <laughs> no. Yeah, sorry. No, he's a no. different dude. Um, so this is a... What, second, third generation farming family, really well known. Um, His brother has been an elected official, also has held positions in agriculture. And, um, you know, he's known to many as being a solid guy. So we should just put out there. What is hard for him is that this is something that's on tape. And this was in his private life. This was with some workers who work on a farm that he has. There is a racial element, I think, that's pretty undeniable when you look at the tape. The, um, the, Workers he was talking to were Spanish-speaking uh, workers, and in the in the filming, you can see him backhand somebody. Uh, so that's one thing that he needs to defend. When I unpacked the others, because I'm reading the story and I'm like, human trafficking, oh my gosh. Yeah. So one of the things that I'm going to broaden the lens a little bit is on human is trafficking possibly if you're holding someone who, like hiring someone who's so not i'm going to give you a scenario. Okay. A scenario could be that you work on a family farm like this and you hired an undocumented person or your dad did 20 years ago. This family's worked for you for a long time. And this family's sending money back to their Mm. family in a South American country. And let's say that person's family member becomes of age. They have a son. The son turns 18 years old. And this farmer buys that person a ticket because the dad works for him. And the dad said, my son would be happy to work for you. And he buys that person a ticket and gives them some money to get to Utah. The guy jumps on an airplane, gets to Utah, never files a work visa, never uh, owns a Social Security card. Maybe there's even some good reasons because our immigration system is completely broken. Mm-hmm. And he goes to Utah and he starts working with his dad at this farm. That would be a would definition be human of human trafficking. Now, I'm not, I'm not speaking to this issue because I don't know enough, but you start to see words like human trafficking and I'm like, what? Yeah. Well, it could be about... A generation of family members, if anyone in the United States helps a worker come in without documents, that's human trafficking. Correct. And so I think the situation reflects 
one of the lowest moments for somebody, and he'll have to sort through how and where that gets done. I think everyone's accountable. I In none of this do I want to leave out the part where everyone's personally accountable. But I'm also going to put an asterisk by everything and say, gosh, could our system broken be broken? And I just want to highlight how much value immigrant workers bring to the United States yeah. and how many particularly small them. family farms rely on these hardworking people and and they're getting crushed in in um, Biden's ineptness and prior to that Trump's ineptness and Congress's ineptness on immigration. Congress, yeah, Congress is responsible to pass laws on immigration and, and anyway, so I, I, I agree with you there. So when I when this story first came out, especially, I, look, there was Ray Rice was a running back for the for the Ravens, okay, and there was a story that he had struck his wife in a Las Vegas uh, casino hotel, and he was suspended for six days mm-hmm. or six. I'm sorry, six six or seven games, okay, for for this assault on his fiance or whatever it was. Then the video came out. He never played another game of professional football again. What people saw versus what was reported. It's just different when you see a video versus a police report of what had happened. It's just, it's more emotional. It's just, it's just more real. And so I, the video is is the part that it, you know, great family, as Mara pointed out, and, and this is a, a personal scuffle on a, on a ranch or on a farm. But when you see the video, that's going to be hard to get overcome. Then when you hear the words human trafficking, you're, we're in a time where, like, that sounds of freedom. That you know, I, my mind at first went to like, like human sexual, sexual trafficking, trafficking. So did and I'm I, like, interestingly ooh, enough. that's gross. Um, but what they're probably talking about is undocumented workers. But, yeah. but you, so you have that allegation out there. That's not what he's arrested for. But it's almost in the same sentence as them getting to a fight. So I talked to a farm. I'm not a farmer, but I talked to one, and they said, look, sometimes people, you know, farmers and workers, they can get a little scrappy with each other. They can get back and forth, and sometimes people will say something to you and what about your wife or your daughters or something like that, and it'll get you up, and you, there might be a little bit of a scuffle. If these two had some kind of f- argument like that, and it was very personal between the two of them, uh, maybe that's one thing. But you had the video. You had the human trafficking story to this, and he was going to have to step down as the – yeah, the Farm Bureau president. It, it just, it's, whether it's right or wrong, whether due process has been done, whether he's assumed innocent until proven guilty, I think all those things will, will play out. But representing the farm, Utah's Farm Bureau was not going to be it was in the, the right cards thing for, him. for him to resign from that. And yeah. it was the right thing f- for him to resign from his national position. Um, also happening this week, just yesterday, the Utah National Guard um, commander, now on administrative leave, Major General Michael Turley of the Utah National Guard. I believe Governor Herbert appointed him to that position not so long ago, a couple of years ago. He's on administrative leave following an investigation by the U.S. Army Inspector General that's been going on it seemingly about as long as he's had the position. And USA Today picked it up and was reporting on it before anyone else, saying that this had to do with uh, a relationship with he had with a sergeant who was below his rank, which is not okay in the Army and probably not okay with his wife. So we're getting um, a new leader in there. I guess it's kind of a bad week for Utah leadership. I don't know yeah. if there's much to be said about it other than it's just kind of like, ah, oh. mm-hmm. Because yeah, he yeah. just made headlines meeting Biden when he came here. So... I don't know. It, the, the prop, there's an investigation. It seems like it's concluded. It took. It sounds like it took two years to do it. Um, you know, I think that's actually not just unique to the military. I don't think anyone should have a subordinate and be a, a boss over someone and have a relationship inside that office or that workplace. I think it's very problematic. I think it opens up to liability. But you know, where that 
what the facts are and what they what they are and aren't, we're not privy to it, so I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I just know he got let go. So anyhow, it is a bummer, changes. though. Like, things like this, you do think, oh, why are we, why are our leaders failing? I know, you're just like, <sighs> yeah. Where are all the good guys? Uh, fourths, uh, fourths, Trump, former President Trump. Fourth indictment. Out. Fourth indictment in Georgia uh, using RICO or racketeering laws, depending on which attorneys you listen to. Uh, this is going to be the worst thing for Trump. He could actually serve time in prison for this. You can't uh, wave a magic wand with state charges as opposed to federal charges to get out of it. Other people say this is a First Amendment case and trumped up charges. So depending on which attorney you listen to, this is crazy that they're even trying to use racketeering laws or crazy smart like a fox that they'll finally catch him. So um I watched a really cool documentary a long time ago, not that long, maybe a year ago, about how uh, how the federal government brought down the five families, organized crime families in New York City. Yeah. And this RICO statute, was it was really a creation to get to these heads of these families because they could never get higher than a capo. They, they just had so many layers between them as the head of the family and those that were committing the crimes. Law enforcement didn't have any way to really hold the heads of these families accountable. So they found an elegant solution in terms of a little more vague statutory language. But this RICO charge was really created to try and get to the heads of these organized crime families. And the irony there is the person that was phenomenal at understanding RICO and taking this statute and, and really going after these five families and bringing them down was Rudy Giuliani when he was the U.S. attorney. So and he's have, included in and these now charges he's now. included in a racketeering charge, and I'm just going to tell you, I just don't find a parallel to these organized crime families in New York City and how they had to get to them and how they structured these laws to get to these heads of these these crime families and their well-established crime syndicates. And this president, I think it's, I think it is reaching. I think they're applying a, a RICO statute that fundamentally doesn't apply in this case. But I'm not surprised. I mean, it's kind of. It's, it seems like it's the theme of these indictments to, to reach like this. And so, anyway, that's right. how I feel. Mara, so uh, what know. do you think? I mean, we don't this? know yet if these are applicable. Here's, I'm going to go in a slightly different direction because we, <laughs> we should know that so there's surprised. a lot of people who are charged who probably are like, oh my gosh, how did I get swept into this? Right, there are a lot. And this, yeah. one, this one distinguished itself by naming a lot yeah. of people instead of unnamed. But one of the things I just want to point out is how this is a lifestyle for Trump. I um, There was a book out, I think, in 2020-ish, and it was a man who was actually looking at his mentor, not Trump, but as a part of that research, and it was about real estate and, and things, but he found, he's an attorney, um, and his name's like Zirin, I think mm-hmm. I could look it up, uh, and and Trump in his life, before he became president, has been involved in over 3,500 lawsuits. Some of that in which he may have filed. That's not just all suited against him. But this is a highly litigious man, a highly controversial man who thrives on this kind of thing. That is to say, I, of course, from my position, think he is well documented in what he did, particularly in Georgia. But you know, live by the sword, die by the Does sword. Does he have any First Amendment rights there? Because sometimes you hear Everyone has lawyers First that Amendment say, rights. you know, it's your right, especially in the United States. A lot of countries, let's say if you're in Russia and Putin wins, Putin wins and you can't question it. 
do we need to have the ability for people who have questions to be able to say those things out loud, call up offices? His rights are being well protected. Yeah. He is represented by some of the most well-heeled attorneys in the world. What he is not is underrepresented. What he's also not is lacking a, a, a podium in which to defend himself and make his case, of which he's been highly effective at doing, which is my point. This is a man who's one of the most litigious powerful people we've ever known he's not a victim in anything um and this suits his lifestyle he brought this level of distrust litigiousness no. to the white house and now he's gonna no. live with it here i i i, I well i was gonna let all that go because we all we're all entitled to our opinions but this is a this is a they have launched on this president since he got elected who are they and, and the democrats and these these indictments are just like mueller's you know, in collusion with Russia investigation. This is no this, different or this the two impeachments. It's this something life, to right? say that he brought this on. They have been attacking this it's man this since he came life. down the escalator, uh, announcing his presidency. I, mean, I have a different this question. No I don't even want to argue this with you because I already know where you're at. Career. So let me just ask you this: an interesting case in here that's kind of a sub su- subject. Mark Meadows is being uh, one of the indictments is yeah. that he asked for. He asked a, a former colleague, a member of Congress, for the state Georgia's Speaker of the House and the Senate minor, Majority Leader's phone numbers. That right. POTUS wanted to talk to him. Um, there is, I hear that he is asking for that to be taken out of a state court, go to a federal court because under color of he was working for and on behalf of the President of the United States, and it was a federal job. It's a, it's he's doing the job that he was asked to do. He's asking to go across the street, and there's been some legal commentary that if that is the case, it goes to the federal court. They're going to say that's not a crime to be working within the going to get those phone numbers as, as you did was what you did when you were under the employee. That doesn't help Rudy Giuliani or some others, but those that were employed federally, they're asking to take that out of a state jurisdiction. My question is, do you do you agree with that, Mara? Have you, has anyone talked so about that? In none your of world? this is in my world. I live in the same world you do. Unlike no, you, you I you, read pretty broadly, you're, you're, my friend. You're, and your so leftists probably don't even that, think of that. They the, just, one of like, the things that I would look at is by their toes. that that these charges have been presented, not tried yet. And so it's an interesting reflex we all have in which we're giving our conclusions it may before not even any make it evidence anywhere. has shown up. So that's one thing wrong with the dialogue. But two. If you want to have a really good visualized chart that includes Mark Meadows' point of view, the Washington Post this past week, go look on it. They have this interactive graphic that just shows everybody. I'm subscribed to the Washington Post, so I can look at this. There you go. It shows everybody, and it shows the indictment and what they're accused of, and it will begin to show you why Mark Meadows may have a different approach. Just for that, they'll show you who he talked to and why. So they have the federal... um, people they have the georgia people they have the georgia legislators which are slightly different than the georgia executive branch and then they have all of the the co-conspirators if you will i, say, I love a good a family tree yeah it's a really <laughs> interesting chart that shows you the complexity of the 41 counts. do you think a county attorney has the jurisdiction for uh crimes committed throughout the state outside of Fulton County and even in the outside states well, of Georgia? Well, remember, what the only caveat I'd put to that is we're talking about election law, and which is a slightly, as you know, it's a slightly different division. So part of it will be as she, the 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 prosecutor in this, mm-hmm. starts to unwind a little bit more her cases. Yeah. And we'll start to see what okay. the du- nuances of Yeah, And the interesting are. thing is, is, and I don't know if this is interesting or exhausting, 
There's no way when you look at RICO cases and how long they take to play out, sometimes it takes up to a year to even get a jury, mm-hmm. and then they try them for a year, even longer. Who has time? Do you get paid $13 a day if you're on a jury for Tr- a year? Trump's team Ooh. was talking about that today, actually, to a judge. I think it was in the Georgia case, in which it wasn't funny, but it kind of was. He was like, you're going to need to slide these in between my other allegations and my other indictments. Yeah. I mean, he sort of looked, and this was his attorney, Trump's attorney, in which he was saying, wow, this yeah calendar and the time and the interesting thing is is i think that each time a new prosecutor comes out with their charges it it, i think it it, there's a a perceived notion whether it exists or not that one more case one more case is what's going to kind of you know make the house of cards fall and it will just be too much but in some ways i wonder if it makes it so that no house of cards falls because nothing can move forward if you have that many cases you have to have the ability to defend yourself in each of these cases and can any of them even move on when you've got Uh, all of this on your i think i think jury pool wise he's in trouble i don't see a single jury pool in manhattan and in fulton county and in washington dc where he's where he's going to have a chance but the national sentiment, Heidi, I think you're right. I think there's a cynicism that's growing. So an interesting, something interesting about that is that Katie Hobbs, a governor from Arizona, had made a comment about maybe we should look into some charges. And then she walked that back pretty quickly. And I think the reason that it's speculated that the reason why is if you keep going there, it starts to water down and dilute this even more. And it's not having an accumulative effect in terms of condemning him. At some point... It, it just feels so farcical that if you keep talking and keep adding and you keep pushing, it undermines the credibility of what you have in front of you. I will say from my position, it's very, very important to me as a citizen who believes that we had a, a president that was stopping the, um, the transfer of power. It's really important to me that Georgia goes forward. I, I won't speak to the others, but it's really important to me and how I perceive protecting our elections that Georgia goes forward. Yeah. I don't think it's made up. In a completely different realm of news... I need to find something happier to talk about at the end. This is not <laughs> it. Last week, I felt like better. we ended on a depressing note, too, but I feel like we have to talk about the Maui wildfires. And whether or not there has to be some kind of accountability or if just sometimes bad things happen, the official count right now of 111 people dead, um, more than 1,000 still missing. There was a report that came out, an exclusive report from a newspaper today, saying that they believe the count's closer to 480 if you talk to the Maui locals who've been notified about their families and homes or whatnot. No matter what, it's absolutely horrific, and I think this is going to be, I mean, more than most of us can fathom when this is all said and done with. But we had an emergency leader resign yesterday after not using the island, island sirens. Uh, They've had problems with the sirens before where they alerted when they weren't supposed to. This time they were worried people would run into the fire. Are elected officials responsible or have a piece of the responsibility in these natural disasters where they can do better? Or are we putting so much pressure to want to place blame somewhere that we just want someone to be the fall guy? So I'm not following this moment by moment, but I did hear him initially explain that he was hesitant to use it because he thought... It's usually signaling people, frankly, to go inside. Yeah. And he was worried that people would start to go inside and that would put them in more danger. Now, that's the only comment I've heard. So for our listeners who know more complexity, that on face felt thoughtful. It it didn't feel negligent. 
And the one thing I sort of hope for this community, uh, well, two things. One, I think we need to keep giving. I think what happens is, you know, we have this big moment and we move on. And what we're hearing is they need cash. And so if you have 50 bucks, send it right now. But two, and I think America is struggling with this right now. I hope what they find is... um, they lean into their grief and not their anger. And grief and anger live right next door to each other yeah. when these horrible things happen. And I, I get nervous when I feel a community responding to the anger that they rightly feel. I hope they spread and just... The, the grief is sometimes harder to acknowledge than, than the anger. And I, I hope that the yeah. grief is what they can process through and, and not use anger to try and process that grief. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think we're still in the event. I don't think that this is, yeah. we're in a moment where we can really take inventory of what happened, why this fire spread as quickly as it did, all the destruction that's happened. Um, and there will be a time for that. And so I, I, I've heard things, and I'm not even sure, this is why you don't want to take it too far, is that some of the fire hydrants didn't have water in them. The, this, the emergency system, they just didn't bother doing it. But then you hear some uh, other details to it. So I think, to your point, Heidi, about it, there's four, over 400 people still missing that, are, that might be uh, dead, and we're, we're, our official count's at 111. Let's just, let's just keep working and, and getting people safe and making sure that everyone's accounted for. But there does need to be, at the, after that, an understanding of how this happened. How and we can I, be better. I mean, this, is a, a, this devastation is not common. It's, there, there's something wrong here. And when you go back to Hurricane Katrina, you can find breakdowns in leadership and breakdowns in the responsibility of people that needed to act at a certain time. And sometimes leadership is really shown in these unscripted moments. And I do think there needs to be accountability. I, I think back to Katrina. I think it, at, at this whole this issue at Hawaii, I think about 9-11. I, I, there are different examples where I think people reacted um, as 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 responsibly as they could with the information they had, they leaned in, they were not running for cover themselves and letting everybody else fend for themselves. They were trying because that's their job. But there are sadly other cases where they did run for cover and they weren't really worried about how the whole thing was going to work and they were in charge. So I don't know what, what happened there yet. We're going to need to find out at some time, at some point, but I think there are failures in leadership that occur that, that have the, have the effect of, of, of fatalities more than we needed to have. Is that the case here? I don't know. But I do. I wish there was more accountability when those moments happen because they do. And when we see leaders that are extraordinary and lean in and, and do their job, we should be recognizing that as well because yeah. every leader isn't cut from the same cloth. So Yeah, but my balance is I don't want to presume that something horrible is always attributed to a failure. Sometimes bad, bad things. No, I, yeah. I agree. I look at Hurricane you got to do all you can. That went through um, on the Gulf Coast of Florida. My sister lives in that area, and she was enough inland that they had damage to their home, but not the catastrophic. But she goes along the beach there and takes videos and sends them to me all the time because we've spent so much time there. But, I mean, more than, a, I guess, a year later now, I mean, it's still obliterated. There's right. nothing left there. And I don't know that there was any kind of failure on – Humans parts, other than the fact that you can't predict that the storm's going to hit there instead of the Keys or yeah. further south in Tampa sometimes. So sometimes bad things happen. Uh, we're watching now. Uh, this is very rare, but we have a hurricane right now in the Pacific yeah. uh, that's headed up. And I think last time was 1939 that we saw one actually hit California, which it looks like it's going to. And there's going to be heavy rain and there's going to be more help needed. So here we go. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think that even sto- I've seen stories when hurricanes were approaching where they're trying to t- evacuate people and they don't want to leave. That helps inform too that they've done all they can. That's and there's some in people Canada right now with some people fires. are like, I'm not yeah. leaving. I'm going to stay here. And they're like, okay, but I'm going to tell you, we're not coming back and risking everybody's lives to come get you if you're not going to leave. We got. I mean, we're going to. So anyway, all those variables are in there. It's not you know catastrophic events doesn't mean that someone failed to do their job inherently. But there are jobs to be done when, when yep. these moments happen. And sometimes, I mean, I'm not saying this has anything to do, do with Hawaii, but we were talking to some fire officials here in Utah because I think we always try to learn from other states and what happens there about how to better prepare. And some of these emergency managers are saying, we're going to change and adapt and try to be better every time we see something like this. But there's also personal responsibility where you have to make decisions for yourself and your family. What are you doing to protect your home? What are you doing to be ready to leave and make those decisions? And so... Yeah. I guess there's a lot of responsibility that goes around. It kind of makes my heart hurt when you see all this terrible stuff going on and you know that, you know, people want a right. fall guy. And yeah. so it's frustrating watching because I'd like to just make everything better and wave a magic wand. But that just doesn't work out all the time. So mm-hmm. we'll be watching. Uh, we can discuss and see how much rain California got, see if Nevada, even southern Utah gets it when we meet again. Until then, we're all going to go do grown-up things as adults and (laughs) ship our kids off to fun places. We hope you all have a great week. If you happen to be in this special election, I hope you're educating yourself, getting ready for this primary, and uh, taking part in it. So, All right. Awesome responsibility. Thanks for hanging out with us. See you next week.